Good morning and welcome to our Wednesday morning chapel. Please join me in the prayer for Wednesday morning. You'll find that in the front part of your hymn book on page 169, down at the bottom, page 169 in the front portion of your hymn book. And we join our hearts and voices. <clears throat> Unto you, O Heavenly Father, I direct my first thoughts and lift up my heart in prayer that I may live and walk in you alone. Be my fortress this day, as you have been my protection through this night, for which I thank you with my whole heart. Watch this day also over my soul and my members. May I also turn to you in true penitence. Cleanse me from all wickedness and uncleanness. May I walk in your fear, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and trusting in his precious merits, I give myself to you, all together, with all that you have bestowed upon me. Bless me in him with whatever pleases you. Grant me wisdom and strength to perform the duties of the calling in which you have placed me. May your holy angels accompany me and mine in all our ways and help us to walk together in love in the narrow path which leads to your heaven. To this end, help us by your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
scripture reading for our devotion today is taken from the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 37 to 40, and regarding the believers who have gone before. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. It had stood as one of the most beautiful churches in Russia for over a hundred years. But in 1931, the communist government uh, under the Soviet Union decided to get rid of this beautiful church called the Cathedral of Christ the Savior in downtown Moscow. And so they packed the foundation with dynamite and blew it up. And it all came tumbling down. It took over a year to clear away the debris. The, uh, the hole that was left from the explosion was ultimately turned into a swimming pool. All across Russia during that time period, <clears throat> because of the reach of communism, <clears throat> all across Russia, churches were closed. At one point, uh, over an 18-year period, nearly 95,000 priests or pastors were executed primarily by firing squad. Just think of that. 95,000 pastors. Christians were not allowed to enter universities and colleges. Nearly 29,000 churches were destroyed. At one point, there were only 500 Christian churches still left standing in Russia. Soldiers were sent out and given orders to close down churches, with one exception, and that was if they were in the middle of a church service, then you were to let it go and then close the church down at the end of that. And many of the Christian pastors caught wind of this and they knew that the soldiers did not want to interrupt the service, some of whom themselves were Christian. And so they decided to do perpetual church services and they would just never stop having church. And even when I was in Ukraine uh, about 20 years ago, uh, there were still churches holding perpetual church services in some of the Orthodox churches as a way to uh, further ward off any closures by government officials. What's interesting, though, is that despite all of this oppression and persecution that took place to Christians in that part of the world, four times as many people, percentage-wise, were worshiping during that persecution, during that time of persecution, than there were in the rest of Europe. So what does that say about, about freedom and freedom to worship? Some people have, have said that maybe the best way to kill Christianity is to just give us freedom, is to just let us have it, just let us have the things of God and of Christ, and after a while, people get sick of them. People think it's not as valuable as much anymore. It's interesting that when someone's going to come and take something precious away from you, 
That's when you grab it tighter. That's when you sometimes hold on to it even more firmly and want to possess it even more and maybe reevaluate the tremendous gift and value that you have in it. There may be some truth to that. Sometimes we're afraid of different forms of persecution on our Christian faith in our world today. And not that we would ever pray for it or ask for it or look for it, but should it come, it might end up being something beneficial for Christ's church. God's saints, those who trust in Christ as their Savior, those who put their, their confidence entirely in Him and what He did for them on the cross and by His resurrection to pay for their sins, those who trust and put their hope in Christ will be despised in this world and as our text says, will be ridiculed and at times persecuted, sometimes rather severely. And what's challenging about it is for Christians in this life and in this world, it doesn't look like you're really holding on to anything. The very thing that you are, are, are willing to undergo all of this persecution regarding is something that the world can't see. And we can't either. And so that can be a temptation for us to, to think that what we're treasuring so greatly and so highly might simply evaporate. The text refers to this. It says, those people who were going through life like this, they did not receive the promise. That means while in this life. All the way to the grave. They, they never got a chance to taste heaven while they were in this life. And yet, they were clinging to this hope. They were clinging to the hope uh, that they had in this Savior of a, of a better world and a better home, that being in heaven. From heaven's perspective, however, God looks down at the believers and he says, the world is not worthy of them. That's a really, a really wonderful line, isn't it? When God looks at those who in their heart are holding on to Christ and putting their trust in him, he says, the world is not worthy of them. And that value that he sees in them is not something inherent in them, but it's something he has put in them by the gift of faith to trust in Christ as their Savior. And his saints now are willing to face different types of sacrifice that they may have to go through in order to possess this wonderful knowledge of Christ. Listen to our text again. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. The Jewish Targum, kind of a, a record of the rabbis, claims that it was Isaiah, the prophet himself, who was stuffed inside of a hollow log because of his preaching and cut in half. Sawn in two is what our text describes. And so when I hear things like this, for myself as a Christian, I often have to do kind of a personal inventory and say, so what would I be willing to suffer? What sacrifices might I be willing to make for holding on to Christ and continuing to trust in him. Sometimes it's even a challenge for me to just put a little gift in the offering plate as an expression of my gratitude for God's grace. I think of what some people have put in the offering plate and with their lives and uh, with some of the, the pressures that they're under. Our proper view of those who have suffered severely for the sake of the gospel is, first of all, not to idolize them, not to worship them, not to bow down to them. Martin Luther said it this way, 
turn away from the dead and honor the living saints. The living saints are your neighbors, the naked, the hungry, the thirsty poor people, those who suffer shame. Turn to them and help them. That's where you are to apply your works. So when we look at those who have been persecuted and sometimes severely for the cause of the gospel, our admiration should not be for that individual, but for the work of the Holy Spirit that created that faith in their hearts to have such a treasuring of Christ and such a commitment to that Savior. And also may, looking at what others have suffered, maybe even right here in our own country, may that move us to have a greater love for our fellow believers in Christ, a greater appreciation for them, and also where he is found in our midst through his word and sacraments. When we see how, how God is at times able to stir up such a strong faith in certain individuals, um, maybe look, we look at that and, and, and appreciate that and, and have an appreciation for the, the gathering of his saints. And it should stir up in, in us a, a desire to persevere in this faith on our own and to, uh, to appreciate the, the fellow believers who stand with us when we say the creed and express our gratitude to God in our worship. And also then to know that, that our relationship to Christ, which in this world seems to be so meaningless to the world, but a time is coming when there will be tremendous blessing because of this. And we don't know what might be required of us. In your future life, who knows? Who knows what culture is going to continue to try to strangle this faith out of us? Who knows what kind of assaults you're going to have to face? But know that the suffering that you may have to endure for holding on to this wonderful Savior, the suffering you will have to endure is going on all around the world and has been going on through time. It's just the nature of belonging to this wonderful Redeemer. How wonderful it will be on the final day when the very thing we only hope for now will be completely revealed to us and completely shown to us. And we'll get to actually live inside of that wonderful bliss that our Savior has come to give us. I love this line, God has provided something better for us. God has provided something better for us. Regarding those Russian believers, it's interesting that you can kill actual Christians, but you cannot kill the church of Christ. His church will continue till the end of time by the work of the Holy Spirit. How blessed we are to have been included in that. As the hymn writer says, the church will never perish. Her dear Lord to defend, to guide, sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please rise for prayer. <clears throat> O Lord God, Heavenly Father, pour out, we beseech you, your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort them in all temptation. Defend them against all the enemies of your word. And bestow upon Christ's church militant your saving peace. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen.